The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> Hello, and this is another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I am your host, Tim. I am a sex educator. I identify as chaotically gay and... Ugh, I'm so dumb that I actually studied for a pregnancy test. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Anna. I know. I'm sorry. I'm so stupid. I had to study. I don't know. I don't know what's on the test. What the hell? <laughs> so I'm hoping that my guest today can help me study for this test because I have no fucking clue. Like Jesus, <laughs> I can help you pass with flying colors. As with gay flying as colors, flag. <laughs> yes, yes, mama. <laughs> oh wait, Anna, I have, I have like a a joke, joke for you. Um, uh, what body of water do pregnant women hate? What? The C section. Oh, I like that one. I'm going to have to steal that from you. <laughs> no, it's not even mine. I just like was Googling like the dumbest pregnancy puns and saw that. I'm like, it's still funny. I'm using it. <laughs> it's funny. It's yeah, a Filipino it's so thing, funny. right? It's so, pa- so funny. Oh, here's another one. What do pregnancies and jokes have in common? What? They both need a good delivery. Who are you getting these jokes from? They need to <laughs> the get internet. hired. The, the internet. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so, so comedian. So, so very funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Talaga. So funny. Talaga. <laughs> oh, my God. So, listeners, that very jovial and beautiful, melodious laugh you hear on the other end of the mic is my new bestie. I love her to bits so much. This is Anna Balagtas. Hi, Anna. Hello, hello, everyone. How are you today, Anna? I am good. I'm good. It's been raining all day, and I've been using it as an excuse to sleep. And you know what? It's been real good for me. Preach, preach. I feel that. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode is all about what you do and you're a doula. And about mm-hmm. doula. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? Like, I have no idea what a doula is. And, like, I just know it has something to do with babies. So, automatically, I'm like, ew, babies. Gross. But <laughs> <laughs> help me understand what it is that you do. <laughs> Absolutely. So, that's a really good question. I think a lot of folks have no idea what a doula is. And the answer to this question is actually quite layered. But, like, In a nutshell, a doula is a person who supports birthing folks and families physically and emotionally and informatively, meaning we're always looking up resources and fact-checking and presenting evidence-based facts for our clients 
um, with whatever information they may need on. Um, there's also lots of different kinds of doulas. So like kunyana meron coming birth doulas, like let's say there, there's birth doulas out there and postpartum doulas, death doulas and abortion doulas. And, and I've also heard of doulas who support trans folks during their transition. So like the list truly goes on and on whenever there's a shift or transition during someone's reproductive journey or life and they're in need of support, there's bound to be a doula who's just their person. But most commonly, like when people ask us what a doula is, we usually think it's along the lines of birth or postpartum. Oh my God. I actually like have chills. There's doulas for everything. Can I have a doula for like just a guy to be emotionally present and like... Or I guess that's just, you know, there's no such thing as a guy that's emotionally present. Let's be real here. <laughs> if you will it, there will be. <laughs> I'm manifesting. <laughs> I'm manifesting. Like, like, who's listening right now that's like that emotionally available man? Nope. <laughs> Nowhere. Hit up Tim. They're listening. They're waiting. Yes, please. <laughs> so, okay. Um, I'm very curious because like, uh, you are specifically a birthing doula, correct? Um, hindi naman. Like, it's, I'm not just a birthing doula. I'm also a postpartum doula. I'm also an abortion doula and a loss doula. And let's see what else I do. That's about it. That's as most as what right. I've supported so far. But right. birthing is not my only intersection. Okay, because the reason I ask mm-hmm. is because, like, what's the difference between what you do and, like, a midwife and an OBGYN? Because it sounds so mm-hmm. similar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the biggest difference is that doulas are not medically trained. And OBGYNs and midwives, they also have their own differences, too. Um, but the biggest difference is that, like, I'm not allowed to hand out medical prescriptions, let's say, or, you know, like do anything surgically just because I'm not trained for that. But with a midwife and an OBGYN, they're both super well-versed in prenatal care. Like OBGYNs are doctors and are performed to do surgery. So you'll mostly encounter them in hospitals. Um, They're the ones who are doing cesarean birth. Like they're the ones doing those surgeries. And I think, I believe the biggest difference is that midwives don't do surgeries and they're able to do everything else like pretty much like an OBGYN does but also like if someone's listening to this and is like what is Anna talking about like please let me know (laughs) because I would also love to know the intricacies between the differences of the two but in terms of my differences with them is that I'm not allowed to give up medical advice like I was never ever trained for that I'm really here just for the emotional and mental and physical aspect of it all. That's so, like, emotionally taxing. Why did you even decide to get into this? How did you start, like, your work as a doula? You know, I really think, like, it's not that it was an obligation for me. But don't you feel that, like, with immigrants especially, we have this, like, tendency of care, right? True. You know, Filipinos are, like, we're known for our emotional care and, like, we're too hospitable sometimes. I hear that. Oh, yeah. And anywhere you go in any pocket of Toronto, there's the whole bunch of kitas who are the nannies of the neighborhood who are taking care of all the other kids who are like very white. And I don't know, like I often ask, is this predisposed for us to nurture and care so much? But I feel like that 
trait of wanting to nurture has been so ingrained in me. And so I've just always been around a whole village and now I want to be that village for other people too. And that's what's translated into my work. Oh, that's so sweet because it takes a village to raise a child, right? Oh my God, like seriously, it's so hard to raise a child. Like it's, it was really hard just to raise me. I was, (laughs) God, I mean, like internally I have a village raising like, you know, the closeted Filipino Catholic and I'm like, oh, how do I fit in? Where do I go? I know, I know the trauma. Oh my it's big trauma and with me and my sister we're both gemini so already we're like split Ooh. into two people so me and my <laughs> sister is like raising twins so there's really four kids but only four kids <laughs> i'm an aquarius so i'm like uh, as an aqua i'm just like uh, i'm floating in the sky and thinking about like you know leaving my physical body so that i can be like a big gay cloud of pink dust or something you know <laughs> just astral projecting into the gay world <laughs> please i want that i want nothing more i'm so tired of this meat vehicle that has legs and like i have to constantly upkeep all the time Ugh, right God, <laughs> so exhausting oh <laughs> for real okay anna so i want to like get a better sense of what is it like when you are a doula like walk us through the I guess the the day-to-day routine, like when does your work as a doula start and when does your work Mm -hmm. as a doula end, whether it be birthing, (laughs) abortion, or postpartum? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so sticking to being a birth and postpartum doula, Mm -hmm. I want to preface that like I'm going to answer this question from a lens where I'm going to be helping a family who's privileged. So meaning... They have access to a home, healthcare, they have healthcare mm-hmm. and they're not incarcerated because there are mm-hmm. doulas for that too, for folks who are incarcerated, which is like amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, right? <laughs> so anyways, like, let's say you've hired me as a birth doula. Typically you would want to hire me a few months before your due date. And then we get some time to get to know each other and okay have time out because i wanted to i was wondering like where was your job as a doula going to start because like do you start when at the time of conception do you help them like fuck like <laughs> <laughs> you know there are fertility doulas so if you're oh my god a bit of trouble like we're there we'll help you we have positions <laughs> you're giving their energy you're just like fuck yes fuck yes like (laughs) (laughs) sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but like oh my god (laughs) but yes keep going keep going yeah no absolutely if you're having trouble with your sex life there is a sex doula out there for you i promise (laughs) but anyway so yeah like you've hired me a few months before your due date we'll have a consultation we'll see if we're both a good fit for each other and if we are it's a yes, we sign a contract, and then we'll start doing prenatal meetups. And then in these prenatal meetups, I usually like to do four of them. Um, in the first one, we'll find out, like, what's your plan? Or what are your preferences? Like, do you know what you're getting into? Like, what don't you know? Let's start there. And then I'll Do you know out, anything about human <laughs> life? <laughs> yeah, like, do you know that you're growing something? Like, it, today, there is a fingernail in your body. Did you know that? Like, ew. Things like that, right? <laughs> oh, yuck, dearie, ew. 
I can't imagine. Yeah, birthing is not for anybody and everybody. I mean, okay, I guess the miracle of life is so magical. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for the folks who do love the miracle of life happening in their body, this is like a big moment for them to be like, oh, I grew an eyeball today. I'm like, yes, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, I can't imagine. Oh, my cousin and I literally make this joke all the time where we say that a baby is literally a parasite by definition. Like, <laughs> but it is like it's right? reaching off of you. You have your placenta, and you, this is a really cool thing. As much as I love birthing, I also know like there's so much gore that comes into it. But if you are a birthing person, you grow a full ass organ, like the placenta has never been in your body before and then it's like oh my god there's this thing growing in your uterus and then it's like we got to grow a thing to help it survive and then this whole dinner-sized plate of an organ suddenly grows in your body and then the umbilical cord is attached to that that placenta and then between the two it's just helping each other grow so not only are you growing one thing you're growing two things baby (laughs) Oh my god, I wish I could grow two things, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. (laughs) My gosh, that's so wild. I mean, like, as as a sex educator, I feel like I should know this, but, like, this is a a very specific area of sex education that I have no idea about. Because, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I can't carry life. Uh, I can barely carry my own. I can barely get out of bed, <laughs> let alone a baby. Like, what the hell? <laughs> you know? So, like, wow, that's so... Wa- so, okay. Um, when you find a match with a client who mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. in the middle of birth, so, buntis na sila, they're, like, heavily pregnant. Yeah. What, 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 what is your, like, routine with them? Yeah, so, like... We do the prenatal checkups. We figure out like exactly what they need, what they need to learn. And then if they have a partner, kung meron silang partner or partners, because, you know, polyamory, Poly- young yeah, family, right. mm-hmm. yeah, then we try and figure out ways to incorporate them in the birth too, because the birth, this is a whole family, you know, it's not just centered on the person who's giving birth. It's for everyone, like it impacts everyone's life. And so we focus a lot on how the birthing partner is also included and healing and if they have any questions and what they can do to support too um and after we do that big stretch of getting to know each other in education about 36 weeks in so in in a gestation in a pregnancy we have like 40 weeks of of you growing a baby that was during the 36th week that's when i'm on call so at any time now a baby could pop so that means I need to be close at all times. So I'm on call on 36 weeks. And when I hear them being like, okay, I feel like I need to poop. Then I know a baby's coming. And I rush, rush, rush to their birthing place, the hospital. It could be at home. It could be a birth center. And I'm there. And then out comes a baby. And that's my work as a birth doula. Oh, my gosh. So are you more like parang he, he, who? Or like, are you like, it's going to be okay? Or like, let's remember our energy, our chakra, because it sounds very like holistic, if that's the right word. 
like mm. what what's a more concrete example of your work or your involvement in the birthing process mm-hmm. yeah so it depends on the type of doula you're hiring i um i know doulas who like to do coach breathing and i'm i'm not a big fan of that i'm a big fan of just deep breathing because coach breathing when you think like if you even try and do it it feels like you're running out of breath but in birth you want to conserve your breath and that's what i deeply believe in so i'm usually the one taking big deep inhales with them and if i feel them freaking out like freaking out as in tensing their muscles you are tensing your muscles and trying to push out a baby, it's going to hurt you. So when you're breathing, it helps relax everything and you feel a little bit heavier and you feel a little bit looser. And that's when your passageways start to open up a bit more. Um, And if they want to hear words of affirmation, I can do that as well. But like, these are the things that we usually cover in prenatals because I ask them, how do you want to be supported? I don't want to come into this birth room with this arsenal of knowledge and being like, well, this is how I supported my last birth and they really liked it when I coached them through breathing, but that may not be the case for my next client. Maybe they just want me to leave them alone and I'll be like in the back of the room, just being their witness and that's all they need. So it totally depends client to client, like what they want. Um, and I, that's what I can offer, but yeah. So, like are you in the birthing room with them like in the hospital like does the doctor allow doulas to be in there while you hear <laughs> oh really? and of course yeah, what? yeah. Oh we're there the whole way through because we're a support person and when it's not like we're regulated so this is another thing too is doulas are not regulated by the government so to them it's like another family member coming to help you Okay, so I didn't know that because mm-hmm. I thought that like doctors will only allow like direct family to be in the room, like uh, the non-birthing parent, the spouse, or like you know next of kin. But like, how do you you know get in there? Like, this is a total stranger. All we did was just like talk about energy work. I'm <laughs> I got to be in there. Like, do you carry your crystals and your tarot cards and, like, you're just, like, surrounding the the table with your energy? Like, no, I, I really oh. want to know, like, what what is your experience, like, within the birthing room? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, if they want me to carry crystals and my tarot and we'll do tarot readings all night, I can do that. But what usually happens is that we establish, like, an incredible relationship throughout the time that we've known each other. So to them, like I'm not a stranger anymore and I don't want to come into that room as a stranger because I won't feel like my job has been fulfilled. Like this is the most vulnerable time in your life. Like you are opening up and you are closing back down and I get to be a part of that. And I want to make sure they know that to be vulnerable with me is a privilege for me. Like, you I am your carrier I am your person I am the person nurturing you right now like that's a privilege for me and if you are feeling like in the birth room I'm a stranger something's up right and so when I go into the birth room I have never once felt like I never belonged or wasn't already a part of the family and when I'm there 
it's like it's really just like caring for your own like if you were to walk into a room with who's the closest person to you right now tell me uh physically or like emotionally both physically oh, because... let's say emotionally <laughs> oh because like i hate the entire human race no i'm kidding um, <laughs> <laughs> no uh okay let's say my best friend dorothy okay so see dorothy if they were in pain how would you help them i have to ask them like what do you need how can i be there for you do you need like some painkillers some water an ice pack what what tell me See, didn't that come so naturally, the way that you wanted to nurture and help them? I mean, I have a script, but like, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but this script is, is that's it came, amazing it came from to the heart. Have. Yes, yes, yes. Right. So it's like that with a doula too, is that we're just like, we're not thinking this is a job. We're thinking, how do I care for you right now? What do I, what do I need to do to help you right now? And that's all we're thinking about. It's not like, oh, I've been in labor for 27 hours. This is how much I'm going to get paid. Like, if there are some doulas who are thinking about this financially, do you? Like, get that. Go get that. But get your for coin. me, right? <laughs> get that sash. But for me, I'm thinking about, um, it doesn't matter how long this is going to be. I just want to make sure that every step of the way, you feel like I've been able to support you as best as I can. That's really it. And We've come up with all the tools that you may need. And now it's just me asking you, like, we've tried these different things. What else would you like now until the end of your labor, until you've popped out that babe? This oddly sounds like therapy. Am I like, <laughs> right in saying that? You're sort of like a therapist to them. But, like, legally, we cannot call you a therapist, right? Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> no, no. We okay. cannot call me a therapist. <laughs> no, no. But you're you're just there to provide the support. You're, like, nanai and just, like, okay, yeah. lang. are you okay? Ano kailangan mo? Yeah. Super nanai energy, but, like, more active. Because it's it's not even just that we're asking. It's ninang we're energy, then. Doing, right? It's definitely ninang like, energy. It's more than oh, nanai. Yeah. It's ninang. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning energy, absolutely yes. <laughs> so, um, like it takes a very specific skill set to be a doula. Was there any sort of like training that you had to undergo a certification process? Um, yes, yes, a very like yes, a roundabout responses. I did go through certification, but that's a big thing that's happening in the doula community right now is this um conversation about whether certification is even needed there's this tiktok and i think it's so funny and they were just saying like certification is basically white man's paper right like when you get certified <laughs> in something it's just because you're proving it to the white man right that's true and yeah. Uh, I spent $3,000 on my sex ed certification just to be like, look, pick me, choose me. Ako, pick me, girl, attitude. Ako. <laughs> <laughs> For oh sure. Yes. Yeah, so that's just one thing I wanted to bring up is that certification is a big talk in the doula community right now. Um, however, having said that, next certifiable, I did certify. And it was on the basis that I feel like I have more to prove than my white counterparts. I'm an Asian woman. I think folks are going to be looking to me to be like, okay, what credentials do you have? Like just thinking back to my parents who were immigrants coming here with 
full on degrees and, you know, masters and certificates and coming to Canada, they just revoked that. And they were like, prove yourself again. I feel like I'm going through the same thing. So I got my certificate because I felt like that was a barrier that folks were going to put on me. And I just wanted to get rid of it right away. Um, and there are amazing trainings that you can do. One that I went to is called Cornerstone Birthwork. They're based in the States. Um, and I love them very much, but their curriculum is focused on like how birthwork is political work, um, anti-colonialism. Oh my God. Let's get into yes. it. Like enlighten me. Cause I don't know like yes. why, yes. why is that? Yes, birth work is absolutely political work. Like, if you think about all the things that go into birth work, there is the notion of um, hospitals. Let's start there, hospitals. When you think of hospitals, you think of doctors. When you think of doctors, you think of authority. And then you think of white man authority. That part, that part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you think about the medical industrial complex. And how when people come into the hospital, there's this idea that hospital policy is law. So anything the hospital says goes. And putting this back into birth work, if a doctor tells you, oh, I, you need to have a C-section because I said so, a lot of people are going to be like, why? Do I really need that? And if a doctor goes, yes, because I think it's best. If folks think the doctor is saying what is best for them, they're just going to accept it. There's no challenging there, right? And so you kind of lose that autonomy of self when you come into hospital. Oh, because, okay. Mm-hmm. I see because where this you is think going. That, exactly. You think that hospital policy is law. It is not law. You can fire providers. You can fire those nurses who are not listening to you, okay? That's just one part. The medical industrial system is one part. The second part is racial justice comes into birth work night and day like the disparities of care between qt bipoc folks so queer trans gender non-conforming um non-binary black indigenous and people of color care is significantly lower than the white counterpart i say they don't listen to us in a birthing room alone a black woman has more chances of dying than a white woman, even if it was the same procedures, same doctors. Because they think that a black woman or a black person can withstand more pain. I heard than that. A white I heard that. Yeah. Oh my God. But in yeah. like they they have this belief that like black skin is able to be more invulnerable or something. Like, girl, where did you learn that from? What science textbook have you been reading? Like Bill yeah. Nye. I mean, no hate yeah. to build my, but like, you know, <laughs> yeah. but like, good God, girl, get a grip. They mm-hmm. feel pain just as much as anyone does. What the hell? Absolutely. And I use um, the phrasing black woman, but like this goes for all black birthing parents because not all pregnant people are women. I just want to put that out right. Yes, um, trans <laughs> rights. Anna said trans yeah, rights, y'all. I did, loud and clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and there's also the aspect of not even just in the birth room, but afterwards, postpartum, right? Caring for your children afterwards. Postpartum is forever. It's not just two weeks after you give birth. It's we are in postpartum now. 
your parents, they are in postpartum now since you are walking and breathing and living on this earth. But even if they didn't have you, you know, it would still be postpartum. Um, Wait, uh, hold and, that thought. I want to rewind a little bit. Like, let's okay. uh, define postpartum because I kind yes. of only have a very vague idea of what postpartum is, um, mm-hmm. which is like, like for me in my head, postpartum just means like, you're very, very sad that you're no longer pregnant. But oh. I'm pretty sure that is the sim- most simplistic thing. So please mm. enlighten me. Yes. Oh, good question. I didn't even think about that. Yes. So postpartum, there's there's very many meanings to it. Like one is postpartum depression, which is what you had entailed just now. But when I say postpartum, I really just mean the time after birth. That's really it. Like, once you come out of that birth room or once you come out of um, even a miscarriage or a loss, you grew something in your, in your uterus, in your belly. And even if that life wasn't birthed, it's still postpartum. Like anytime something goes in and out of your womb, postpartum. That's it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. I guess you can say I'm going through postpartum every time I take it up the butt. But, you know. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Um, that's probably doing a disservice to the actual, you know, birthing parents out there, but hey, I get sad <laughs> too, so. In fairness, that makes sense. <laughs> right? Something came out of me. It wasn't life, but you know, <laughs> it just happened to be semen, but whatever. <laughs> oh my God. Hi, if you haven't heard by now, I am disgusting and disrespectful, but <laughs> Sarah, that's why we love you. Oh, salamat. <laughs> Going back to like your certification process, it taught you about mm-hmm. like birth work is political work. What are some of yeah. the other things that uh that they covered in your certification? Mm-hmm. We also covered the decolonization of birth work. Uh, big topic, huge topic, but basically who we know as like the fathers and the mothers of modern gynecology and midwifery. Oh my God, right? Like there's a father mm. of gynecology, mm. like gynecology, J. Marion Sims or something. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. we don't like uh, him. Oh no. yeah. The way he like treated black women as his like mm. guinea pigs in his experiments. Mm. Ugh, gross. Also like the fact yes. that there are parts of like the vagina and the labia and the vulva they're all some of them are like named after men like the skis gland or something like ew let's let's give it something prettier like the the anna spot or you know (laughs) oh start calling me the anna spot spot, i know (laughs) and i'll be like the every time you find me you'll have pleasure oh my god Oh, yes. If only, if only. But yeah, you're right. Like J. Marion Sims. If you don't know him, Google him. You will read the most horrible stories about him. Fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. uh, Political uh, birth work is political and Mm -hmm. uh, it's also decolonizing. But Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I want, I'm more curious about like the actual energy work that you do that you undergo in training like what's what does that look like yeah so energy work we that is just an intersection of mine it's not something that I learned in my birth work process but what I like to do is 
to take all of my personal intersections and put it within my practice because basically what I'm doing is selling myself and selling like my care. I don't want to say selling, but offering my care. Um, I want to make sure I'm offering all of me, not just parts of me. So energy work is completely separate from my birth work. It's just something that I've been undergoing like by myself through my own processes. Um, and the only really active thing I'm working on right now is, is Reiki, which is like energy healing within the body. Right. But those two sound mm-hmm. kind of similar, though, the energy work and the birth work. How are they different? You know, that's a really good question. And I think that's why I wanted to put it within my practices, because I, I think the difference between the two is that energy work is so pointed. Like when you're coming into a room to get energy work done, you know, you're getting energy work done. You know, there's a little bit of like spiritual woo woo that comes with it as well. But in the birth room, like you're not thinking about whether your chakras are aligned or whether you're rooted <laughs> and grounded. <laughs> you're thinking about pushing that fucking thing outside of you. Truly, like you're probably thinking about needing to poop and wondering if you've pooped on the table or pooped on the floor and just haven't noticed. Like oh you're God. thinking about completely different things. Yeah, I would be so worried if I like accidentally shat on my OBGYN. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh no, sweetie. I can't. I can't. I would actually be very happy if I saw you pooping because then I know that labor is ending. (laughs) Oh, really? Wait, hold on. Uh, A bowel movement is a sign of the end of labor? Yes, bowel movements mean that you're making up more or you're loosening up more room, right? For you to have a bigger opening. Um, I'm not quite sure like how to put this in the medical terms. And like, I don't want anyone to quote me on this, but my understanding is that every time you burp, that's expelling something you're expelling air and when you burp doesn't your tummy feel a little bit looser and then of course when you poop you feel a little bit emptier so when i see you pooping or puking and like just guts coming out i understand that the process of birth is going so well like that's a tell for me that this is going so well as if you're puking or pooping or burping and farting Wow, this in that entire sentence is birth control. Like, <laughs> oh my god, that sounds so messy. I wonder what it's like to be the one to clean up in the birthing room. Like, holy hell! I would be one of those people. I would be. Oh I god. would be the one cleaning up after you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Right. So yeah, that's also like another question I have. Like, when you're in the birthing room. Um, when you're like involved with like, uh, sweetie, it's going to be okay. And like, mm. uh, are you there when the baby comes out and like, do you get to hold the baby? And like, mm. uh, w- what's your role as a doula in the final stages of the birthing process? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, they push out the baby. I'm there for them. If they want to have support in like breastfeeding or chest feeding or body feeding, so if there's do you breastfeed anyway, their babies? No, I don't. <laughs> though, <laughs> though I wish. Like I get breastfeed envy a lot. I can't even tell you the amount of times I envy a person who's going through labor. Like I know that's a little bit messed up, but if I see someone like having labor pains, I'm like, kind of hot. Like I wish I had that. I want to have a <laughs> kind of hot. Like oh yeah. <laughs> like. I want that for myself. I want a baby so bad. I want to be pregnant 
so bad. Like I get pregnancy <laughs> envy all the time. All the time. Your ovaries must be quivering right now. Just talking. When about I get it. cramped, when I have my period, I'm like, oh, this is like a little teaser of what happens. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, Anna, nakakaloka ka talaga. Oh my god. <laughs> Sus Mariosep, really? Just being honest po. <laughs> oh my god. But like, how is your role like in breastfeeding? Like, do you teach the parents, like, this is how you hold them, like, wait for them to latch or something? Yes, that's exactly it. Like, the different ways you can hold a newborn because they're so precarious. They're like little noodles of the earth like you could break them so easily like how do you hold them and the latching portion too it's there's this idea that when you're um body feeding or more specifically breastfeeding like people think that you need to latch on the nipple but that's actually what hurts you is if your baby just latches on your nipple because your areola so the darker spots around your nipple that's where the milk ducts are like coming in hot it's like when you think of the breast as straws let's say there's 10 straws there's probably only one straw in the nipple itself but if you have a wider latch and you have all the way up into the areola you're getting more than one straw you're getting like six seven eight if not all right like breastfeeding is a whole different thing it's it actually is the mechanics of it can be very difficult and a lot of parents have a lot of trouble with it and if they don't get it right away they might be feeling a little bit anxious like I can't feed for my baby like I there's something wrong with me and then I feel you that, get that yeah, mm, yeah panic, that anxiety but, like am I a good mm-hmm. mom oh, oh. Mm, yes, absolutely Real. oh my god yeah. but like also even then like why is this baby still taking away my resources i am so tired like i'm so like they grew in you and now they're like sucking off of you yeah like come on (laughs) like i'm so tired of this fucking pregnancy shit i'm done right no but like i totally understand like the insecurity of like um the inability to breastfeed um do you encounter parents who can't breastfeed and like you offer some so another another way to nurture for the kid yes of course there are definitely parents who cannot breastfeed or body feed and these are probably like mm, let's say trans parents won't be able to you know that's actually i take that back because you can induce lactation even if you don't have breast i take that back excuse me i can yeah you can induce lactation (sighs) you just need some hormones and you need someone who can help you with that absolutely Mm, okay i i will hire you if i ever need to start uh breastfeeding myself so that i can have my morning coffee very like easily oh my gosh, oh my gosh. yeah you can absolutely induce lactation um but let's say like you don't want to breastfeed or you don't want to body feed and you want to go straight into formula feeding i can help with that too for sure for mm-hmm. sure okay um oh. yeah it just it's like different mechanics but at the end of the day like we just want to have your baby be healthy right like that's it and healthy is just feeding them and caring for them and loving them and that's really just it Mm -hmm. so kailan natatapos yung job mo like when does your job as a doula end uh, specifically as a birth doula muna like uh Hmm. like this is where we part ways in my role to you as a birthing doula 
So with birthing doulas, it's like once you're discharged out of the hospital, like we're done or no, you know, sometimes I even do like once or once or two times I'll do like a postnatal meeting with them. So I'll check up on them like once they're home, once they're settled and seeing what they're up to and how they're doing. Um, But as a birth doula, like that's where it starts. And then if I do most more postnatal meetings with them, we're kind of getting into postpartum territory there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's actually where I want to take this conversation. Um, In your role as a postpartum doula, where does that start and end? And like, what is your, what are your responsibilities? What are you doing to help the parents uh, through the postpartum process? Because I know that like, I read somewhere that um, not, it's not just the birthing parent that experiences postpartum. It's also like the non-birthing parent. I don't know if that's true. So please help dispel some of those myths and like what your role is as a postpartum doula. Yeah. Yes, of course. Like postpartum is for everyone. Like, like I said, birth and birthing families, like this is a whole family thing. This isn't just for the person who's gestating, right? Like it's everyone else who's in their village. Um, So for postpartum, what happens is that like you've had your baby, we're back at home now, you're settling in you might not be able to do the same things that you were able to do um, when you were without child. Like, it might be hard for you to take a bath. It might be hard for you to cook breakfast. Wait, really? Or, just those small yeah, things? Yeah, just the well, small that... things. Like, the, the smallest things. You might not be able to walk your dog because you're so preoccupied with the baby, and that's where I come in. I kind of fill up those holes. I'm the I'm the space in between, like, I'm going to help you make sure you have meals. I'm going to make sure that you feel clean and, and cared for. Like I'll hold your baby while you're in the shower or you're in the bath, like things like that. I'll walk your dog. If you have other kids, I'll take care of your other kids. And then for the birthing parent, I want to make sure that you're not burning out. Cause if it's just you and you as in the birthing person and the birthing partner or partners, let's say there's more than one of you, responsibility to care falls on you and that's a big responsibility so um i'm getting like a lot of thoughts right now it's only Mm -hmm. because like that that specific uh scope of the postpartum doula sounds extremely similar to what a nurse or a caretaker or personal support worker would be i mean isn't can't you just call yourself a personal support worker or a nurse rather than like a postpartum doula like what's what makes the postpartum doula different than uh you know an at-home nurse mm. Mm. you know that's a really good distinction to have because like personal support workers they do do the same things as doulas absolutely but perhaps they weren't trained on the exact same things doulas were trained on. Like we have specifically been trained on newborn care and not to say that there aren't newborn specialists out there, but it's also like hmm, with, um, I'm just thinking along the lines of like a night nurse is that night nurses, they're medically trained, but perhaps they're not trained 
specifically on how to emotionally take care of you like while you're in postpartum or that period or like establishing themselves as a family member like I know there are parts of work where there are boundaries that you don't want to cross right like I know some nurses are like I don't want you to think of me as family like I'm just here to care for you medically and that's it I'm not afraid to cross those boundaries though I want you to see me as family and I think doulas are very adamant to be like a, a family member in most cases I'm not going to speak for all but definitely for myself for sure so like you know um I'm thinking like you you probably must be invited to like baby showers and like you know the <laughs> the the kakanin the the fiestas you know all that stuff the boodle fights the boodle fights you know do you do you like uh as a doula do you make those like really sweet sentimental connections with your clients I do I do like I will get pictures of my clients with their babies like two years old and I'm I'm thinking back to be like oh my god remember even you pushed that out of your body like it's things (laughs) like that it's like those tiny subtle connections and this actually reminds me back to your question way back when is when does my job stop I don't think it does I don't think it does See, like I, think, I can't do that. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm so I'm so tired, girl. Like, call me when I call me when you're bleeding out of your pussy, or like, you know, when when you're pregnant again. I'm just tired. I have so. I think it's only because like I'm speaking for myself. Like my energy reserves are so limited because like I'm mm-hmm. very very introverted. But like with a doula, I feel like energy has to come at a moment's notice, even when you're not mm-hmm. feeling like it. Like, has has that ever happened to you where it's like you're feeling a little down or whatever, but all of a sudden your client goes into labor? Uh, yes. 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 And that's where burnout can happen too, right? Is if you've not given yourself a moment of care and you've been booked up and you're on call 24-7 for like a month now, um, <laughs> it's not a good look. It's not a good look. But when you're in that birth room, you have to push that back because it's not about you right now. It's about your client. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, yes, there have, there's been one time that it wasn't a birth, luckily, but it was a postpartum shift. And the person I was supporting had postpartum depression. And like, Ooh, I'm only rough. human. Yeah, I did that. And like, I, I already have like depression myself. So when I see that, it can be triggering because I, I can't just shut off my whole self. I have to come with someone. I have to come with parts of me. Right. And right, when I see yeah. someone struggling in that way and I see them like just so miserable and like I see a mirror of me. I see an image of me. I'm like, oh my God, that's me when I'm when I'm sad and when I'm upset and I'm gonna bring that home now. I'm gonna keep thinking mm-hmm. about that. And uh, then the and you feel day, all, a wah wah and like yeah that's yeah yeah so this like this job is a full body job it's a full self job it really is you just (laughs) just leave Mm -hmm. it you can't so you stop doing the work oh yeah no for sure so like i guess you as a doula would also need an energy doula you know like Mm -hmm. what is like when we think of people who provide emotional support, we kind of just like see them as like one dimensional. I'm paying you to help me get through this, but mm-hmm. also like, but like, um, 
like my therapist i see him as specifically my therapist i also forget the fact that he's human you know he actually Mm -hmm. has needs and stuff so as a doula how are you keeping your energy like reserved and like drawing those boundaries from work into your personal life yeah yeah like like you said a therapist needs a therapist imagine trying to carry the burden of your clients alone like you need you need to sound it out so Mm -hmm. like i i have a person i sound myself out to i have my partner um my spouse i should your spouse oh my god it must be nice what's it like to have someone that you love and loves you back (laughs) you know it's a different feeling but i could get used to it (laughs) (laughs) couldn't be me sorry i can't can't relate sorry Mm -mm. can't find a man that loves me can't find a man to love Mm -mm. (laughs) maybe one day but your aqua brain and your aqua self is kind of just out in the out in the air right now (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm so busy doing this podcast. Who who needs a man right now? Truly, come you're on. too busy doing you, babe. I know I'm doing me, and like people want to do me. Like priorities. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, come on. But yeah, like um the the whole like uh self care for a doula because doulas, from what I've heard so far in this conversation, they give so much of themselves yeah. to their work. How do you? Yeah keep yourself you know your capital s self how do you maintain your own sense of like individuality like i am not just a doula i am not just a person that is supposed to be in the service of others but you know how does anna stay anna Mm -hmm. yes like investing in yourself so you can divest to others is the question um so one of them is having your community and it's not just my spouse who's in my community. I have like my doula friends, I have my doula partners and I talk to them about my whole experiences and like just kind of uh, reporting back what I saw and what I seen so I can have uh, a sounding board. And then to bring capital S self back into myself, you know, I'm very fortunate to have been able to establish my practice and where all of my intersections have been. Um, able to be in one so like i'm not just a doula i'm your energy worker i'm also a pole dancer i'm also a pleasure activist i also love eating mangoes like everything that is me everything to my practice oh my god i can i just say how much i love the fact that you said eating mangoes is like part of your personality like (laughs) wow (laughs) that is so like i'm a mango eater like what it's so quintessentially you I'm a cock yes, eater. It's absolutely. part of me. <laughs> well, we have different tastes, you and I, and well, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I mean, I, when I put mango-flavored lube, and then we can have similar tastes, right? That's <laughs> Or a banana-flavored condom on top of that, you know. <laughs> oh have myself God, a little pina colada. Salad. <laughs> a fruit salad? It's funny, because we're gay, we're fruits, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my, God. oh my goodness yes yeah, but yeah. like yeah being a mango enthusiast is absolutely part of my personality <laughs> and my whole self and like if i need to gorge on mangoes i will and i'm gonna do that and that's exactly what i need right now i'm gonna do that um, i love that it's just not forgetting oh, well you know it's easier said than done like it's easier to forget who you are when you're so invested in care work but 
doing things that aren't capitalized is key. Like you need to do things. You can't unless you're making money eating mangoes. You go. You go. Do an ASMR <laughs> kind of thing, a mukbang, whatever the kids call it. <laughs> one of those things on Twitch yeah. and just like. <laughs> There you or like go, have your acrylics right? on on the mic, just like hello. Tapping, tapping. <laughs> the quick box jumps over the lazy dog. <laughs> Something stupid. <Yes. laughs> oh my god. Um. Yes, but like, just do things that aren't capitalizing. Like, do things that are specifically just for you and are for your own pleasure. And I don't have a pole anymore since we moved. But what I used to do was I used to just dance for myself. Like I used to take little videos and then I'd rewatch them and be like, oh my God, what a move. Yeah. Wow. Those body rolls. Mm, mm, yeah. wow. <laughs> I mean, you don't need, you don't need a pole. Like you can do floor work and chair dancing, you know, and you get go. the same kind of like mm-hmm. energetic connection. Uh, speaking of energy, I want to briefly touch on this service I see on your um website reiki you provide a reiki service what is reiki and how does that work into your um your energy into your line of service as a doula yes so reiki is it's a form of energy healing and in a session we target certain energy fields of the body So we can get the energy to flow within places where it may feel like a bit stuck or stagnant. Um, I want to mention first that Reiki is a form of practice that originated in Japan um, and is now really popular in Western spaces. Um, And also like if you have a Reiki practitioner who are telling you that they can heal you, like go the other way. Welcome to Motosakanya. Don't go to them. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, practitioners aren't there to heal you. Yes, healing can happen in these spaces, but that healing happens from within. That healing happens because my client is working on themselves. It's not because I'm working out of them. Like, I'm just a conduit. I'm just a conductor. So that's Mm -hmm. the one thing about Reiki is that I'm not healing you, but I am a conduit for that healing. And I'm just facilitating what you already know how to do. Um, And like I said before, like if it's in my practice, because it is me, it is a part Mm -hmm. of me. Mm -hmm. And I like to think that birth work and energy healing is intersectional with each other. Like we had mentioned earlier. And it's just something that makes me like uniquely me in my birth work. I mean, of course, I know there are other birth workers too, who are, energy healers but they might not be able to do it the same way i do it's not going to be completely the same as i do and that's fine that's that's just mine and that's great right right but i i guess my question is more of like um in the context of pregnancy Mm. how does reiki work into that specifically with like birthing parents and everyone that's involved uh within bringing this child to life where does reiki fit in there with that, um, the way that I do my sessions is that we focus a lot about um, like mindfulness and grounding. And in pregnancy, it can feel like a lot of things are up in the air. So if I can just sit you down for maybe 40 minutes, and what I like to do is do a full body scan. So I'm going to start from like your pinky toes, 
I'm going to make you remember your pinky toes and I'm going to make you remember the backs of your knees and the spaces in between your fingers and just be fully aware of your whole self. Like that's my work um, when I'm with pregnant folks. And I think that can be so healing for them because then they, they kind of just like understand that being mindful of their own body is going to help them when they get into um, the birthing room right like if they can be in the birthing room and be like oh i i can sense my whole self and i can sense that i'm in pain but i am also in my body and i still have my hands and i still have my feet and uh, my partner is still with me like mindfulness is such a big portion of of labor when you can be mindful in labor you can do anything Ooh, mindful during labor I mean, like, mm. if I were to ever be in labor, the only thing my mind is focused on is, like, get this fucking thing out of me, Doc! Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> done! Nine months! It's a little much! <laughs> oh. Nine months is a long time. Like, that is, like, a basically a full year, imagine. Yeah, basically. And, oh, wow. my God. Of, like, belly aches and lower back pain and swole, swollen feet mm-hmm. and, like, whatever else oh my god do you have any like funny stories that you've had with your clients about like um you know any weird questions they've asked or like just any sort of interesting interactions you've had um i had this one client actually ask me like if they can have an orgasm through birth and can you know yes (laughs) yes you can Mm -hmm. i would make me want to have a baby had i known that (laughs) light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> yeah honestly if i knew that you can have an orgasm during labor why not so like can yeah. you spill the tea what's that yeah you know i like don't remember exactly what the mechanics of it is but when they asked me like can this happen to me like while i'm in birth i had to google it because i was like i actually have no idea like let me get back to you on that and then i googled i'm like orgasms in birth and most <laughs> of what came up was like if you have orgasms before birth, it makes for easier labor because you're all lubricated and you're all open and softened. But when you're actually pushing too, you can also have orgasms. Like as a baby's coming out of you, it's something called orgasmic birth. Look it up. <laughs> wow, shit. This one, this one like I want to get pregnant now. Like, <laughs> I just, I just got to find a man to put that nut inside me. Just wow. for the experience. Yeah, Diva. Like I just want to be like a uh, a little like uh, a little pregnant and just like get priority seats on on public transit and like everybody <laughs> is gonna like inappropriately touch my belly. It's like how far along are you? Oh or like God. did you ha- think of a name? Just like the most invasive, stupid questions. I don't know what, oh what makes God. people think that they can just be like here like here's my big belly touch it like what ew that's so weird or like have you thought of like a natural birth or are you gonna have it in a hospital what is with these people getting all up in the in the parents business like mind your damn business girl truly invasive questions are something that i feel like pregnant people really master by the end of it and most Mm -hmm. of the time they're just like that's why maybe that's why they're so grumpy. Because people keep asking them questions. 
<laughs> and that's where you come in. Be like, girl, I get it. They're stupid, but we're here to work on you and we're here to like balance your that chakra. Is right. That is <laughs> oh right. my God. Uh, Anna, this conversation on your work, on pregnancy, on postpartum, on everything has been so amazing. I have one last question. What do you want people to take away from this conversation about uh, birth work and doulas? Hmm. I think I think I just hope I've inspired future birth workers who didn't know that they wanted to be birth workers uh, in this episode. Like, I know doulas are starting to be talked about more and more, which is great. Like, super amazing. But the reality is, when I mention doulas in general spaces, like they don't know. They don't know who they mm. are. They don't know what we do. And there's a lot of ano doula? Ano yeah. What is that? Doula? I mean, what doula? do you do? Anong doula? What do you do? La? La? <laughs> doula? One la. Doula. Three la. <laughs> yeah, it's very confusing. So I want birth workers to be like a household name, like midwives and OBs and engineers and teachers and educators, like things like that, because we're out here doing the good work. And it's, it is amazing, beautiful, loving, nurturing, but heavy work. It's heavy, mm-hmm. but we can do it. And we have been doing it. And we've been doing it before we were even called doulas, right? Like. We know how to care. We know how to nurture. We know how to be a doula. Point blank, that's that. Period. Period, Period. girl. (laughs) It's the heavy work. It's the necessary work. It's important Mm -hmm. work. And you're Mm -hmm. here to stay. Oh, my God. Anna, I cannot get enough of you. I'm pretty sure the listeners won't be able to get enough of you because you are just so absolutely fucking amazing. Please plug everything. Where can people find you on the internet? Wow. Oh my gosh. Yes. Please send me love letters. Um, you can find me at pocket doula on Instagram and then the Facebook I'm pocket doula dot Anna. And that's about it. That's about it. As it goes through my socials, very active on Insta. So if you ever send me a little chatty chat there, I am going to chatty chat right back. I'm a Gemini. So I know how to talk. And everyone, don't forget, her website is yourpocketdoula.com. Oh, my God. Yes, Anna, you. you have been such an amazing guest. I absolutely adore you. You're so gracious. Your energy just flows off the screen. And I hope we can continue to chat some more. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. I have gotten some good belly laughs. And I'm very sorry if listeners out there like Anna laughs too much. It's not my fault. Okay, no, it's I fine. Was... <laughs> it's fine. We're here to yeah, laugh and we're here to learn. <laughs> we're, this episode, this episode has to be both entertaining and educational, <laughs> informational. It's everything. Oh my god. Anyways, uh, thank you so much for coming, Anna, and for all the listeners out there. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast, and I'll see you at the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. Sex Ed with Tim is created and produced by me, Tim Lagman. Music is Aces High by Kevin McLeod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GaySlutClown and at Sex Ed with Tim. You can also like and follow me on the Sex Ed with Tim Facebook page. 
If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better, you can also support the show on Patreon, where you can get early access to ad-free episodes and more. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut. Mwah! Thank you.